franchise simply delighted to see you again thank you for coming to join us and uh, love nothing more than gathering a crowd together to listen to one of my franchise radio show interviews and today i'm talking with elisa newey elisa some of you may recognize her name i interviewed her goodness me probably seven or eight years ago i guess i met elisa in brisbane in fortitude valley in a little networking event and we just sort of connected and every now and again we touch base and i've been chasing her for a while to come back to me because she's quite an interesting and innovative person that's uh, fairly active. Um, and today's session is called Spacecraft, How to Master Business Design. So uh, what I'd like to do is give you a little bit of background, a bit of Lisa. But first, I'll remind you that uh, to have your notebook and pen there, make any notes, we will give you some de- contact details at the end of the session. And uh, yeah, pin your ears back and um, hope you enjoy our conversation with Elisa. So Elisa's a designer, collaborator, and truly an impact-driven leader. Um, quite a lady. She's got a bachelor's in architecture and a master's degree specializing in sustainable design of retail spaces so that was very a lot of foresight seeing that a few years ago because that really is the buzzword these days she studied business and entrepreneurship as well and is the author of a very successful book called open restaurants that flourish it's a guide to opening new sites and building a leading brand so elisa's worked as a commercial uh, architect if you like designer for 15 years and actually give you an idea of the scale of what she's done she's actually delivered more than $60 million worth of built projects. So quite significant. She's the founder and director of Renew Design, basically commercial interior design studio. They specialize in workplace, retail and hospitality designs. Uh, She's got a team that she works with alongside business owners, her customers, and she's got a, a proven business model, really helping people to expand and open new sites. The team of experts are very specific to each project, not unlike us, I suppose, at Franchise Simply, where we we're a hub of collaborators and we pull in appropriate experts as our customers want. And because of Elisa's background as a small business owner, she also understands that profit is the lifeblood of the business, isn't it? Profit and cash flow. She works closely with business owners and operations teams uh, in helping create these retail stores, hospitality venues, and so on and so forth. The list is endless. Making sure that it creates a generous return on investment for her customers. So basically, um, I suppose the key is designing spaces that are good for business without it costing the earth. Elisa, lovely to catch up with you again. Hello there and how are you? Lovely to see you again, Brian. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, I didn't count back a while, but it was in the early, relatively early days of the Franchise Radio Show, I've got to say, probably within the first 10. And I think we are probably number 153 or something like that. So the speedo has been ticking. So let's launch into some questions. Was there anything you wanted to add, by the way, in your bio that I put together I, there? I think you've covered it very thoroughly, but there's nothing that I need to add. Okay, cool. Well, so um, I suppose the big question is, you know, we'll learn whether we talk to Anthony Robbins or anybody, any business guru, that you've got to make sure that people know what's your point of difference and your niche. So your approach design is quite different from most designers. Now, I know that. But can you tell our listeners why is that, Elisa? There's a few big differences. So it, it started out when I began the business, which is almost 10 years ago now. And when I started, I actually went out and talked to hospitality and retail business owners for six months, which I thought was a great marketing strategy at the time. But 
but it wasn't. <laughs> but what it did give me was a lot of value in really understanding what hospitality and retail businesses need specifically and how I as a designer could contribute to that, which is very different. A lot of the design profession really looks at the customer experience, what the look and feel of the site is, what the colours are, what the menu looks like, but don't understand the business and the operations of the business and that what the owners really want when they expand and open new sites is profitability, that they need to open a site that functions for their team, that is operational in their kitchen and back of house, that leads to efficiencies and it also creates an experience for their customers. So having that understanding right up front really informed the process and my understanding of what I could contribute as a designer. And what it led to was developing a network of all of the people that business owners need when they open a business and want to expand a business to get that expert advice. So it's not just me, it's everything from leasing consultants through to project managers and the team of consultants they need for all of their approvals. And that's really important because you can set up whether your business is profitable before you open your store. Yeah, that's very permanent. That's very, very, very pertinent. And and I, I know that's why you and I have a quite a good synergy because it's the principle we apply here because most of the experts I've ever seen in reality in any field, whether it's lit law or whether it's accounts, they don't really understand how a business works. You know, the coal face, if you like. They see it from a very different privilege and elevated sort of view. So I think that was, as you say, six months of, in some ways, you wasted time, but learning from it was what set your business up, think, to be different. And yeah. your, your success and knowledge that you've accumulated. So yeah, accidental knowledge, I suppose we call that would be. Exactly. Baptism of fire, learning a lot very fast, but I think also studying business and entrepreneurship and being a business owner at the same time gives all of those additional insights of the real challenges that business owners face and what's really important to kind of both both set up when you initially set up a business, but also when you're looking to grow a business, what you need to have in place to be able to make that happen. Exactly. Look, and, and also just diving down one of my little rabbit holes, I recall you used to spend time as well at uni, lecturing at university, um, yes. Griffiths or somewhere like that, I think. So you've seen the other side of it there with, with students, both no doubt young and mature. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I taught three-dimensional design for a while at Griffith University after I graduated from there with my master's and it was interesting to have the ability to influence new designers coming through just in the way that people think because I think to me design is how people think and the problems that we can solve and understanding those problems before we try to solve them is so crucially important. Yes everything is design almost isn't it really when you think of every sentence you speak. So opening new sites, expanding a business it's it's a big step for people particularly when they're, they're moving into multiple stores which is when when we are often you know we we might be talking into you know, from a single story to multiple outlets. So when people are at that stage of their growth, moving into, you know, opening more, more outlets, whatever the nature of the business, uh, what, what are the recommendations that you give them when they are looking at undertaking that major step in their business growth? The first one is having a really clear understanding of their existing business and their customers. So analysing what's working, what's not working, the location that they're in. And often when you start an initial business, if as a hospitality and retail, you have a site, whether you've bought an existing business or started a new business. And a lot of it's by chance that you're surrounded by the businesses you are, you're in the location that you are. But when you have the opportunity to expand the business, you can do all those things intentionally. So understanding 
the demographic of your customer, why people come to you, what they expect of your business, how your operations and your back of house work, how they could work better, why don't they work, how many staff you have working in the business, just really honing in on all of those things to understand your business really well. And then where you come in is you need the business systems. So trying to set up a new business and just duplicate what you're doing will often cause a real stress for the business owner. So they're going from managing their existing business, their team, their staff, their customers, and then suddenly they're put into trying to manage a design process and open a new site and look at all of the financials related to that, all of the HR decisions. So unless they're really prepared from a business and systems point of view, as you would know very well, then it's a real struggle. It's not just trying to juggle one ball. You, You have many balls you're then trying to juggle. Yeah, I'd be interested to know whether you're experiences like ours because from our point of view over the decades it always surprises me well not anymore the fact that most people in business as you say they've grown incrementally but they don't really understand why and a lot of that detail so when they go to expand they take it for granted they don't realize in detail because they haven't analyzed what are their demographics what's the what are the great things that happened accidentally to their business (laughs) that you've then got to replicate do you find that same sort of process with people as it's an enlightenment you know they suddenly say goodness me, I didn't realise that sort of thing. Absolutely. And I think that's why we start the design process always with strategy, which is a conversation with the the business owner or franchisor, but also the leadership and operational team to understand. And it's really asking the right questions to make them think and then record and then come back with feedback on what that is. And often it it leads them to actually analyse their own operations and say, well, in our kitchen or back of house, we currently have things located like this, but that causes a problem when we try to operate and it would be better if we did this. But unless they're forced to sit down and take that time and answer those questions, most people replicate what they have. So they say, this is what we've already got. This is what we need. And you just copy and paste the same thing when it's actually your opportunity to refine it and do it better and make it work for your business. Yes, it's that little known science is called ergonomics, I think. Yes. Yeah. Well, and workflow, which is really big. Oh, yeah. Particularly if you're in a production facility like a restaurant or something like that. Yeah. Or, exactly. or a wood workshop. Doesn't matter, really. Yeah. What do you find from your experience? Because you've obviously been in franchising for a very long time. What do you find are the major um, challenges that people face when they're trying to expand and open multiple sites? Often doc- documenting their systems, their processes, their operations manuals. They've taken it all for granted, which is why Chinese whispers come in and, you know, they wonder why different people do things slightly differently, why they might have, you know, three or four or half a dozen outlets already of a corporate nature that they can't get John and Sarah and Jim and Helen to all do it the same. Everybody changes it a little bit. And of course, you get that Chinese whispers effect that dilutes what is intended to be and should be a very watertight process. So actually trying to document that for entrepreneurs is almost impossible because they dive into too much detail. We find they really need somebody uh, who can write concisely, simply condense a paragraph into a line. Yes. Uh, and whilst they have to provide the French, the entrepreneur has to provide the, the that content, it needs someone else with a particular skill to be able to take that and reduce it down to such a nice, concise, simple expression. And uh, particularly it's so relevant, you know, in this century or these decades, where the people reading this and relying on it or watching it, because we're very big followers of having these things all done with very brief little snappy video. 
those, but they've got to be something that can be understood immediately by people who perhaps English isn't their first language. They may have had limited education, et cetera, et cetera. So no matter what the task, it's got to be done clearly. And an entrepreneur struggles with that. The fortunate ones have got somebody on their team, maybe an EA or maybe one of their other team members that's actually got that skill to better write stuff up very simply. Yeah, but I think having the ability to have that outside perspective is when you are technically involved in the detail of your business or the operations of your business, everything say makes sense to you, but it's a bit of a communication piece to be able to say, well, how do you get this out of your head and communicate it in a way that anyone can understand it who doesn't have your however many years of background in developing that business? Yeah, it's a bit of a double cliche, but it's it's, it's someone looking at it with another pair of fresh eyes and seeing it with a bird's eye view. <laughs> yes, agree. I, I do like my cliches. So you've got a process. Can you elaborate on the process that you've developed to uh, yeah. do this, to open, for example, a greenfield site? Let's look at that. So similar to you, it sounds like the where we start is looking at strategy. So it's sitting down with the business owner, sitting down with the main operational team or the key stakeholders and going through who the brand is, what your values are, what you want to communicate to your customer, how you want to attract them, where you're up to with your branding and your brand strategy and your marketing, and then how that communicates into a customer experience designed for your stores. So looking at what's existing in your current sites, what isn't working, what is working, what you want to do better. And then looking at the operational side. So in in any business with a physical site, whether it's retail, hospitality, workplace, there's the operational side of business efficiency. So how your people work, how your teams work together, and how many people are needed to operate a site in quiet times, how many people are needed to operate it in busy times. So really understanding all of that before we start designing anything. So the outcome of that strategy session is a strategy report that runs through things like what's a typical floor plan, how would things go typically together in um, your space and then how does that translate to how much space you need, which then informs leasing, which is the next step. And it's also looking at describing what's your brand and customer experience and what are those elements. So looking at do you have signage elements that are going to go into each site? Do you have particular colours and feels and materials that are going to go into each site? So setting up almost a preliminary brand style guide before you get into it that says these are the things that are really important that we need to communicate. And then the next step after that is looking at location. So we work with client-side leasing consultants who can go out and look at sourcing site. But what we provide to them is that typical floor plan to say we're, we're working with a franchise at the moment and what they wanted to do, they're reinventing their franchise model, is look at sites that are half the size. So we looked at what's their kitchen, what's their bar space, what's the minimum footprint they need for the number of guests they want to see it in their restaurant and then gave them what the minimum dimensions they need to look at are when they're looking at new sites. And that then that informs what the leasing consultant is looking for. And it also allows them to look at things like landlord contributions because they understand the equipment they have and the services that they need. And they can then put that as part of their leasing deal with a landlord so that it minimizes their costs. So that's a really important piece, which we're not doing. We're kind of stepping back and advising, but having that expert in that space really can set up the business to find the right site that suits their demographic and to then negotiate their lease terms so that they're profitable once they open that site. So once they then have a physical site for the business, we can come back in with the design piece. So we can then look at how do you tailor that typical plan for that specific site? How do people access the site? How does your customer flow work? How does your service flow work um, for that site? And we come up with what we call a store kit of parts. So 
when you're wanting to duplicate over multiple locations, it's efficiency, but it's also having a recognizable store presence and the way that a customer is used to interacting with your brand is really important as you expand. So we design that with the business owner of what's your joinery, what's your counter, what's your colors and material palette that will go to creating each of your stores. And some businesses want to duplicate pretty much in each site, a copy and paste. Some want to create a different experience for customers in each site, but have some elements that are the same for brand recognition. So it's kind of putting all of that together and saying, this is your typical virtual store. We build all of the elements virtually. They're already documented and then they're ready to roll out once they have that documented. So so we'll put that design into the physical site and then the next step is we document it and manage approvals. So that process, depending on how the business works, some existing franchise groups will already have an internal design or documentation team, in which case we can review drawings with them and make sure that they, according to Australian standards, that there's no accessibility issues, that they suit the location. But it's also just having that, as you say, the bird's eye view to look at it and say, are we achieving in this site what you want to achieve? Are we using the brand elements you need? Are we appealing to the customers you want to appeal to? Does it meet what a customer expects of your store when they come into the store? So that's really important. And at the end of that documentation, having a really good set of drawings is part of what you need. The other part of what you need is having a really clear tender scope. So we work quite closely with By Proxy Retail. And I first met Daniel from By Proxy Retail as a shop fitter 10 years ago. And we worked very similarly then to what we do now in that he has a whole lot of construction knowledge, which he can come in and say, this is all of the components from from this kit of parts we've designed. These are all of the site works you're going to need. This is how we can tender the joinery package. We can work out what those costs will be. We know what the services will be. So it gives a really clear scope when you're going into a tender process that the builders are coming back with exactly what you're asking for. And then you can compare the prices. Whereas if it's not clear in your design or in your tender scope, you can be charged a lot more than you should be, or things come up during construction that are costs that you weren't expecting. And Mm. that's not documented anywhere. So you have no leg to stand on in bringing that up with your builder. So that brings you to the opening. So we also look at the management of approvals and consultants through that process. And then once you open and have a couple of sites, it's really about reviewing, having a look again at whether it's working, what's not working, what you want to do differently. So that when you then update your style guide to open the next site, you have all of those learnings. You're not just rolling out the same mistakes because you will make mistakes or there'll be things that you can improve on. So having that ability to go back and analyze is also really important. So to summarize the process, because I know there's a lot of detail in there, it's the initial design strategy, understanding what you want to do and what you're trying to achieve. Then it's looking at location, finding the right site, negotiating the lease so that you can be profitable. Then it's designing the site, designing the kit of parts and making sure your customer experience is what your customers expect, documenting it and have a clear scope of work for tender, and then building the site and managing the approvals to make sure you open on time and on budget. And then once that's done, you've got your store and you have the opportunity to go back and analyze. It's a bit like the principle we adopt to recommend to our customers of uh, 
of having pilot their first one or two franchisees of pilot. It's much the same. You've got a pilot store. So it's getting out there. You're learning from it. As you say, mistakes are a reality. Let's not use the word mistakes. Let's say there are ways you can tune and improve. They become apparent once you once you use them. Um, so uh, yeah, absolutely. Look, I was going to dive into a bit more to ask how you manage the, the sort of expenses and the profit side from a point of view of business because opening a store is expensive. I think you've pretty much covered it. Was there anything you'd like to add in that regard? I think the main thing is having a really clear understanding of scope and budget and managing that through the process. So that's where the process that I said with my proxy is something we've always done in the way that we work, which is involve a builder very closely through the whole design process. So they can actually give feedback on services. They can give feedback on projected costs right from the point that you're looking at the site. So things that you might not expect, like upgrading a grease trap or needing to upgrade an electrical board because your electrical design's too large for the current board or your mechanical ventilation. All of those things are really big, high-cost items that you have the opportunity to look at before you actually sign a lease. So having a builder involved right from that initial point is really important in managing costs. And it doesn't mean that unexpected things won't come up. Often unexpected things will come up, but it really limits that risk of going into a site. And then through the process, once once we have a concept design, doing that sense check again and saying, well, these are all of the things we're putting into it. What budget and scope is that actually fitting in? And is that profitable for your business? So if it's coming back and it's $800,000 as a broad brush estimate, can you actually sell a franchise for that? Or are there other ways that you need to look at the financing to make that something that's actually feasible? Are there things you can cut back in the design to make it feasible? So having that ability through the process to have those discussions and predict the costs is really vital and it's something that doesn't happen in design. Very often, you won't know what the cost is until you go to tender. And then once you go to tender, if you've got to go back and revise a whole lot of things in the design and strip out a whole lot of things, it costs you time and money because you're on the countdown to opening day. So you think that you're going to open in six weeks' time and suddenly you lose four weeks and have to go back to the drawing board. Yes, absolutely. I I, I suppose I come from a biased point of view. Being a registered builder, having done building development and construction and housing design etc i think people falsely see as an economy not employing an expert at the early stages to overlook these things because uh, they'll save themselves lots they'll save you lots of time but save you lots of stress and hassle so you can make decisions freely as opposed to under pressure it's, it's never great to make decisions under pressure because invariably it's a compromise yeah agree no, and usually obviously the sequence you would be aware of opening a site is normally you need your finance organized well in advance of actually ending up on site so if you then end up three hundred thousand dollars more than you're expecting to pay then you've got a real challenge to go back to the bank and say actually can i borrow an extra three hundred thousand dollars and if the answer is no then you're in real strife at that point you are look it also aids in your recruitment of franchisees because it gives you much more clarity in what your what your requirements are to define an eligible franchisee because uh, making sure they do have the capacity to to pay or to 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 access the funds is critically important and the last thing you want is to have a have a store ready to open and a franchisee ready to sign on the dotted line or even signed and they can't access the funding because they're actually a little bit short of capital so uh, yeah it's all part of that process isn't it Um, it is and i think that's the big advantage of the process that we follow is as you then roll out sites we get a more and more accurate understanding of your scope and the cost to open those sites so that then 
informs the whole process for how much does a franchise cost? What can you expect a store in a metropolitan area to cost versus in a regional area to cost? So having that data really puts the franchisor or the business owner in control of understanding and projecting their expansion rather than just having a whole lot of surprises as they go along with no real ability to manage that. Yeah, look, I think we all know, we've all read, if we're alert and reading, reading the data that's out there, that more and more people, both customers and prospective business owners, independent business owners, prospective franchisees, the whole you know whole generation, I think, are now looking at sustainability, looking at the environment. What's the environmental impact of your business? And and I certainly know lots of people these days who won't buy a product from company A, B, or C because they don't meet what their criteria is. And and that is gradually emerging here with things down to your carbon footprint, which is a huge issue in North America in Europe, but not yet really been recognised in Australia. But uh, I think you need to make preparation for it. So how do you, I know you've got a a strong focus on sustainability. How do you define that for us, please? Well, I think firstly about your comment of that's becoming a big issue overseas, but not here yet, is I think it's coming and it's coming very fast. So it's being driven by two things. One is customer demand and the more educated customers are now wanting to align with brands that reflect their values. And the younger generation coming through hold really strong values around sustainability and the impact that we have on the environment. So I think for brands to realise that and realise that to keep those customers, they need to be aware of how their brand aligns in that conversation as part of it. But government legislation is also coming through that will prompt it from a commercial point of view as well, that you will actually need to monitor your waste and your carbon emissions and the impact that your business has. So sustainability in the way that we look at it is a couple of factors. It's not just looking at environmental sustainability, it's also looking at the financial sustainability of the business. Because particularly for a retail or hospitality site, the worst thing that can happen is a business opens and it closes down six months later and all of the materials and time and energy that have gone into that fit out are largely often the shopping centre stripped out completely and a new site goes in. So that's really a big advantage towards franchising is you've got a lot more likelihood of the business working because you have that franchise understanding behind you of how the business works compared to a hospitality or retail store that just goes into a site and kind of gives it a crack. So that side of sustainability is looking at the profits of the business and the other side is looking at the impact on the environment. So franchises have a really big possible impact because if you have one coffee shop or retail store and you design it well and you have maximum efficiency for materials, you put in a whole lot of materials that are the best you can find, you still only going to have one store so that's one impact if you open 45 sites a year and you put in that amount of effort to finding the right materials and maximizing how those materials are used in the site and minimizing your waste and looking at the systems that you have within the business to minimize your waste then you have 45 times that impact so it's a really big opportunity in franchise to say not only what financial impact can we have but what positive impact can we have on the world and then how do we communicate that story back to our customers in a way that builds brand loyalty and they want to do business with us. Yeah, look, and we're seeing more franchise groups um, gradually beginning to use that information publicly and say, you know, in the last year, we have planted 10,000 trees, we've done this, blah, blah, blah. It's information that people are hungry for. And that really is. 
forces your brand, doesn't it? I put look, it's the same as whether you're buying a bit item of clothing that isn't just, you know, this month's fashion, or whether you're buying something for the home, we know that if you spend that bit more on quality, overall, you get better value because it's going to last longer and its annual depreciation, if you like, is far less. It's making those decisions at difficult end of the equation where trimming down the price of setting up a new outlet, whatever it might be, is a real challenge because you're faced with that compromise of there are cheaper options, but when is cheaper better and when is it investment? And it's it's not necessarily more expensive to be sustainable. So some of the things that we're working on at the moment and looking at is not just materials that go into a fit out, but thinking through the design of how a fit out is designed for operation, for refurbishment and for defit. So one of the franchises that we're working with said it's costing them $80,000 at the moment to defit a site because they're in the wrong location. So they're actually pulling out that whole fit out. That's the cost of demolition. Then they've got to build again in a new location in the same area because that's not the optimal location for them. So we're coming in and saying, what if we design you a modular kitchen, a modular bar, modular joinery, things that are designed so that when you defit, it's cost effective, but also you can pick that up and put it in a new site. So you're not then duplicating those costs. If that site hasn't worked for you, you can pick up that kitchen, all of that stainless steel, all of that joinery, plant it somewhere else, and you can even update it and reskin it. And as your brand develops, make sure it sits consistently with your brand. So there's a really big opportunity in the design space to just spend a little bit more time thinking about it. And it's not necessarily that any of that costs you more. It's just that it's not considered when you put a stone bench top in to a space that you've got a five-year lease, what happens to it in five years? What's your biggest challenge with business owners, entrepreneurs in trying to educate them into the benefits of using these processes and using experts to be able to refine and improve their model, Elisa? I think there's a, it's just educating because what we do is quite different from what the design industry does. So people are very used to operating in a really traditional way of what the designer does is they document and they put the finishes together and that's it. That's kind of their role. Whereas a few of the brands that I'm kind of talking to at the moment, what they're trying to do is get a senior designer in who will then manage all of that in-house, communicate with their operational teams and make that whole system work. But they're having a lot of difficulty in finding people who have the right skill set who want to work internally in a brand like that. So what we're proposing and offering is a different way that the business works where we kind of sit outside the business as that design team, but communicate with their operational teams and everyone within the business in that same way, but as a multi-skilled team. So not as one person that comes in and is expected to have the skill set to manage all of it, to look at approvals and drawings and um, construction codes and customer experience and brand to find that in one person is really difficult. So it's really educating people that what they need is a multi-skilled team that can advise them on that whole process and communicate well as a team and with their internal operations departments and property departments as well. So that's kind of the challenge we're facing is going, well, it's a, it's a totally different way of understanding how you can work with designers and you can work with people external to the business to really promote that growth as you grow. It's that whole collaboration. You face similar challenges to us in educating people to understand that that bit of investment, you've already got a business or you've already got an outlet that's working, you've got a design you're happy with, but you it's a matter of taking the opportunity to redesign it in a sustainable way that does make it something that it could, could, could defit fairly inexpensively. The way you're building a model, you may invest a bit more the first time, but then it's going to save you money every time you open another outlet. 
That's uh, right. And looking at that whole life cycle, not just saying, well, it costs me an extra $50,000 to open, saying, yes, but that $50,000 over the life of the business, I might save 200000 Yes, look, you and I preach from the same pulpit, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, that's, that's, thank you so much. So pleased you've elaborated even more to what my understanding was of some of the things you do and some of the expertise that you've got and those collaborators that you pull in. Was there anything you wanted to add to what you've described so far as we move towards wrapping up with this lovely little conversation we've had today, Elisa? I think that's most of it. I think probably the other thing is the way that we work is very tailored towards each business we work with. So some people will need some of what we do and not all of what we do. Some businesses will have internal design teams that we work with and collaborate with. So that initial strategy discussion really informs the way the business wants to work with us and what their needs are. And then the team on the project is put together specific to those needs because every business and their needs will be different and they'll all be at a different point, whether they're opening and growing where they've got an existing brand and they're looking to reinvent themselves, their needs are very different. So having a flexibility in that process is really important as well. Right, Excellent. Thank you so much for that. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to you and I hope everyone else has. But don't go <laughs> because in talking to Elisa earlier, I did twist her arm a little bit and she did promise that anyone would like to learn more about the principle of, I suppose, sustainable, sensible economic design and of Elisa's renewed design sort of view and principles she has a, a book. Would you like to just explain that, the details a little bit about the book and where people can get a copy of it, um, Alicia? Sure. Well, I said to Brian earlier, I'm happy for any of the listeners to send you a free copy of the book. The purpose of the book is actually to educate. So it is the outcome of four years working with a whole lot of hospitality and retail businesses and explains that process step by step. So what happens in the location stage, what happens in the design stage, and it has input from also experts who are dealing with you in those areas. And it connects back to the Renew Design website where you can actually get direct contacts to those experts and speak to the person that's relevant. So you don't have to come through me you can go directly to the person who looks at leasing if that's the stage that you're up to and you don't need us at that stage so anyone who wants a copy of the book pop on to the renew design website which is renewdesign.com.au or send me an email at alissa a-l-i-s-a at renewdesign.com.au and i'll pop you a copy of the book in the post fantastic okay lovely alisa i've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today been lovely to catch up with you again congratulations on what you've been doing a lot of hard work gone into developing your business model i know and congratulations on the book it is a delightful read so really recommend that to anybody so in saying that i'll wrap up for today and say i look forward to catching up with everybody with our next franchise radio show and alisa again thank you so much for your time been lovely to hear from you Thank you, Brian. It's been a great discussion. Okay. Cheers, everyone. Bye.